0: Chapters twelve and thirteen of that affair at Elizabeth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That affair at Elizabeth by Bertie Stevenson. Chapter twelve. Word from the fugitive. I glanced at my watch. It wanted still half an hour of eleven o'clock. Let's walk on together, I said. This needs talking over. A special delivery letter from New York, then, causes Marcia Lawrence, a well-poised, self-possessed, happy woman, to flee from the man she loves, to wreck her life, throw away her future. I stopped in despair. Really, I felt for the moment like tearing my hair. It seems incredible, doesn't it? asked Godfrey, smiling at my bewildered countenance. Incredible? Why, it's more than that. It's—it's— i don't know any words strong enough to describe it godfrey what is this secret i know what it isn't well what isn't it then it isn't about curtis we've looked into his life i just got a report from delaney and he's as straight as a string and the women with the women it isn't so easy you see they were in europe for six or seven years and it's hard to follow them however we're on their track and i have hopes hopes of proving my theory the right one depend upon it lester there's either a lover or a husband in the background somewhere but again i remembered the photograph a lover perhaps i admitted but not a husband godfrey there's no stain like that on her there's no stain at all she's spotless i'll stake my soul upon it he was gazing at me curiously you seem mighty certain about it he commented For an instant I had an impulse to show him the photograph, but I stifled it. "'I am certain,' I answered lamely, "'certain your theory's all wrong.' "'Well, I'm going to stick to it till I find a better one.' "'Are you going to make it public?' "'No, not till we've got something more to back it. We've wired our European correspondents to look up the record of the women while they were abroad. We'll wait till we get reports from them, which will be tomorrow or the day after.' Let's see if we can find out which way Miss Lawrence went last night. We had reached the hotel, and as he spoke, Godfrey turned into it. The ticket agent boards here, he said, and I took care to make friends with him. I thought perhaps he might be able to help me. Ah, there he is now. Wait a moment. He hurried forward and intercepted a well-dressed man who was just leaving the office. I saw them stop for a moment's low-toned conversation. Then Godfrey turned back towards me no he said no luck miss lawrence bought no ticket at the station here last night nor did either of the kingdons the agent was on duty from six o'clock till midnight but he suggests a very simple way in which she could have escaped notice had she wished she had merely to enter the train without buying a ticket and pay her fare direct to the conductor i'm inclined to think that's what she did providing of course that she left town at all "'I think she's left,' I said, and that's no doubt the way she did it. "'Now I'll have to say good-bye,' he added. "'I don't think I shall stay here much longer. The case isn't worth it. When do you go back?' "'I don't know yet,' I answered. "'I've got to have something to take to Curtis. I can't go back empty-handed.' "'I'll let you know if I hear anything,' he said. "'Our correspondent here will be on the lookout for developments. My sympathies are all with Curtis. I want to help you.' "'Thank you,' I said. "'Good-bye.' I watched him for a moment as he hurried down the street. Then I turned back toward the Lawrence house. Yes, Godfrey evidently wished to help me, and yet, while he had given me a lot of what he called interesting information, and had treated me to a no less interesting theory, he had only made the mystery more impenetrable than ever. "'Beg pardon, sir,' said a voice, and somebody ran into me. I glanced up to see that it was a pert-looking boy wearing a cap with WU on the front. We were just at the Lawrence gate. All right, I said, no harm done, and entered. Not till I was halfway up the walk did it occur to me that the boy had probably come out of the gate, that he had brought a message—from whom, for whom. I rang the bell, and a girl admitted me, but it was not Lucy Kingdon whom I had hoped to see. She showed me into the library and took my card. She must have met her mistress in the hall, for it was only a moment before the rustle of approaching skirts announced her. As she entered I noticed with a quick leap of the heart that she held crushed in her hand a sheet of yellow paper. "'Good morning, Mr. Lester,' she said quite composedly, and it was evident that she had entirely conquered the agitation which had racked her the evening before. "'Sit down, please.' and she herself sank into a chair. "'I've been thinking over what you said to me yesterday afternoon,' she continued, "'and I believe that you were right. Mr. Curtis unquestionably has the right to know what it is that takes his promised wife away from him, and to decide if he shall permit it to take her away for ever.' "'Then it's not impossible that she should be his wife?' I questioned quickly. "'Your daughter was mistaken.' She perhaps thought it impossible at first, but I don't see it so. She has been moved, I should say, by a sense of faithfulness to the dead. I don't think—I can't think—that he will take it so seriously as she does. He will look at it from a man's point of view. He won't shrink from it as she did. Besides, he'll see that it is no fault in her, that she's just as she always was, sweet, pure, and lovable she herself will take it less seriously when she has time to think it over yes i agreed striving to conceal from her the fact that i did not in the least understand no doubt of that the first shock when she read the letter the letter she broke in which letter but i thought you knew i knew nothing of any letter she said her face suddenly white "'Yesterday morning,' I said, just as Miss Lawrence was going upstairs after looking at the decorations, a boy came to the door with a special delivery letter from New York. It was addressed to her, marked important, read at once. She took it and came into this room, and it was here she learned this secret. But Mrs. Lawrence was no longer listening. She was sitting there, staring straight before her, her face livid.' a letter she repeated hoarsely a letter i don't understand i thought she had been told i thought that woman had told her i was sure of it yes that must have been it i cannot be mistaken the letter had nothing to do with it it was that woman she had waited all these years and then there was a step at the door and lucy kingdon's dark face appeared she was going past but at the sight of us she hesitated and then stopped on the threshold "'Did you call, ma'am?' she asked, shooting me at the same time a glance so venomous that I recoiled a little. "'No,' said Mrs. Lawrence, and it seemed to me that there was abhorrence in the look she turned upon the other woman. "'Yet stay,' she added quickly. "'Go to your sister. Tell her I wish to see her here at once.' I saw the girl start of surprise. She half opened her lips to speak, then glanced at me again and closed them. Very well, ma'am, she said, and left the room. Mrs. Lawrence turned to me, still breathing quickly under the stress of the emotion which shook her. "'You must leave me to solve this mystery, Mr. Lester,' she said rapidly, by myself and in my own way. I must find who it is that has dared to meddle in my family affairs. I was prepared to forgive, but there are some things which can never be forgiven, however deeply one may pity.' she checked herself perhaps she saw the intentness of my interest but that is no concern of yours she went on more calmly and i could not but admit the justice of the rebuke you're seeking marcia in that i would help you if i could but i don't know where she is as soon as i do know i will summon mr curtis i promise you that perhaps you will find her without my help if you do tell mr curtis to go to her and demand an explanation it is due him, and she has my full permission to tell him everything. Then let him decide whether she shall be his wife. We will both bow to his decision. "'But you've heard from her,' I persisted. "'Only this,' she answered, and thrust a crumpled piece of paper into my hand, then turned and left the room. I smoothed it out and read the message at a glance, noting that it was dated from New York. "'I am safe. Do not worry.' Will write Marcia End of Chapter twelve CHAPTER thirteen Pursuit My work at Elizabeth was done. Whatever mystery this house contained, whatever the secrets of the Kingdons and the Lawrences, my business was not with them. I had only to return to New York and place this message in Burr Curtis's hands. I would counsel him to wait until Marcia Lawrence chose to reveal herself. I was sure it would not be long. A few days' respite would be wise for both of them. They would be calmer, more self-controlled, better able to meet bravely and sensibly what must be the one crisis of their lives. But a great load was lifted from me. Mrs. Lawrence had assured me that the marriage was not impossible, loving each other as they did i knew that nothing short of the impossible could stand between them so they would win through at last cheered by this thought i left the house and made my way to the hotel when's the next train to new york i asked there's one on the pennsylvania sir in ten minutes said the clerk bus just leaving i ran out and got aboard and a moment later we were bumping over the uneven pavement I took a final look up the shady street. It was the last time I should see it. What was going on, I wondered, in that big house among the trees? Had Miss Kingdon answered the imperative summons sent her? Had there already been an explanation, a revelation of the mystery? Had she confessed that it was indeed she who revealed the secret? Was Mrs. Lawrence right in thinking the letter from New York had no connection with it? the bus stopped abruptly and i clambered down to the platform and got my ticket it was still some minutes till train time and while i waited a train on the jersey central track stood puffing a moment and then started on for philadelphia the little station was built in the triangle where the two lines crossed trains were passing almost every minute and i reflected how easy it would be for a person not familiar with the place to get confused and to take the wrong train there came a growing rumble a shrieking of brakes a moment more and we were off i glanced at my watch it was nearly 12 o'clock i should be at the office in say 45 minutes i would wire curtis at once and the rest would be in his hands my connection with the case would end and yet it was not without a certain regret that i would relinquish it for i had not solved the mystery that was if anything more impenetrable than when i had first approached it godfrey's specious theory which i had myself at first believed i put aside for even from the broken sentences which had fallen from mrs lawrence's lips i could see that it was not the right one if marcia lawrence had fled in order to protect the memory of the dead there could be no question of a living husband But though I rejected that explanation, it was evident that, with the data at hand, I could form no adequate one to replace it. I went over in my mind every phase of the affair, from first to last. I endeavoured to sift out the significant incidents and to reject the immaterial. I tried to weld them into a compact mass, but they would not be welded. There was nothing to connect them, no common thread upon which they could be strung. All that I had in my possession was a bundle of facts which seemed to be flatly self-contradictory. I remembered Mrs. Lawrence's astonishment when I had mentioned the existence of the letter. What had she said? I thought it was that woman. Which woman? Evidently the elder Kingdon, since she had at once sent for her. That had been my suspicion, that it was she or her sister who had betrayed the secret. Yet the letter would seem to prove that it was someone else and it struck me as significant that at no time had mrs lawrence appeared to suspect the maid was there really any connection i wondered between that old tragedy in mrs lawrence's life and this in the life of her daughter i reviewed again the story dr schuyler had told me how the lives of the endicotts and the kingdons and the lawrences had intertwined i got out my notebook and sketched a rough table showing their relationship which seemed to look somewhat as here shown. As I gazed down at this, two names seemed to stand out more vividly than all the rest. I closed my eyes and called before me the faces of two beautiful women. I had never seen either of them in life. Of one I had only a photograph, of the other I had seen only a crude portrait in the parlour of the Kingdon cottage, but they had somehow assumed for me personalities distinct and vivid marcia lawrence and ruth endicott the tragedy of fate linked them together beautiful young accomplished reared amid gentle surroundings both had tasted the bitterness of life from the very house whence marcia lawrence fled ruth endicott had started on her hopeless search for health the train slowed up for jersey city and in a moment was rolling under the great shed Twenty minutes later I opened our office door. Mr. Royce had gone out for lunch, which reminded me that I had missed mine again, but he came in almost immediately. "'Well,' he cried as he crossed the threshold and came forward with expectant face. "'You'd better wire Curtis to come back,' I said. "'You've news for him?' I nodded. I knew you'd have, he said exultantly, and drew a pad of telegraph forms toward him and wrote a rapid message. Curtis is staying at a little place on Jamaica Bay. He was afraid to go any farther away, I suppose. He ought to be here in an hour, he added, and called a boy and gave him the message. Then he swung around to me again. Now let's have the story, he prompted. I know there's a story. Yes, I said, there's a story. I was just— The door burst open with a crash, and in came Burr Curtis himself. "'I couldn't stay away any longer,' he cried. "'I was eating my heart out. "'Have you any news?' "'Sit down, Curtis, and pull yourself together,' interposed our junior, "'catching him by the arm. "'This won't do. "'I just wired you to come on. "'You must have met the boy.' "'I believe I did knock over a youngster just outside the door.' "'Well, there's no damage done, I guess.' "'Since you're here, Lester can go right ahead with the story. "'But one thing first. interrupted our client. "'Did you find out where she went, Mr. Lester?' "'No,' I answered, "'but I have a message from her.' "'Thank God!' he murmured, "'and sank back in his chair. "'I guessed what his fear had been, "'that Marcia Lawrence was no longer among the living. "'Looking at him closely, "'I was shocked at the change a single day had wrought in him.' His eyes were bloodshot from want of sleep, his face pale and drawn, his hair and beard unkempt. In a word, he had ceased to be the handsome, well-groomed man the world knew as Burr Curtis. I related my doings briefly, including only the essential points. Then I placed the message in his hands. He read it, his face quivering, but this tells us nothing, he said hoarsely, looking up at me with piteous eyes. "'Except that she was in New York this morning, and wants to fight her battle out by herself.' Curtis was on his feet, his face livid. "'But she shan't fight it out by herself,' he cried. "'Do you think I'm such a coward as that, to stand back, not offering to help?' "'Perhaps you can't help,' I interposed. "'Don't talk nonsense,' he retorted. "'I beg your pardon, Mr. Lester, but I'm overwrought. I can't choose my words. But it is nonsense. I love her. Of course I can help. Don't you see it's not herself she's thinking of? She's trying to spare me.' I nodded. Perhaps it was for his sake that Marcia Lawrence had taken that wild step. That would be like a woman. "'You may be right,' I said. I'd never thought of that solution. But Mrs. Lawrence's last words to me would seem to point that way.' she said that the matter would rest in your hands that it would be for you to choose after you'd heard the story i don't want to hear the story curtis cried good god what do i care for the story i've made my choice once and for ever i want her of course it was to spare me she ran away she'd never think of herself I might have retorted that it had been a rather questionable form of mercy, that she could scarcely have inflicted on him any suffering more acute than that which she had undergone. But I forbore. Instead, I took the telegram again and studied it. "'If you really wish to find her,' I said, perhaps this will give us a clue. "'I do wish to find her. This form will tell us which station this message was sent from, I think. Wait here a minute.' And I crossed the hall to the brokerage offices of Sims and Wesson. May I speak to your operator? I asked of the junior partner. Certainly, he said, and waved me to the little room where the instruments were clicking merrily away. Can you tell me what these characters mean? I asked, placing the message before the operator and pointing to the row of figures and letters at the top of it six one c w d d s a eight p d the 61 he said means that this was the 61st message received at elizabeth this morning cw means that the message was filed at the christopher street office corner christopher and west dd and sa are the initials of the operators who sent and received the message 8pd means that there are 8 words in the message and that it was prepaid it's the regular form used on all western union messages "'Thank you,' I said, and hurried back across the hall, elated, for I had learned more than I had dared to hope. "'Well?' asked Curtis, looking up with anxious face. "'The message was filed at the Christopher Street office,' I said. "'Christopher and West Streets.' "'West Street?' echoed Mr. Royce. "'What on earth was she doing there?' "'She could have been doing only one thing,' I pointed out exultantly. "'When a woman goes down to the docks, it must be—' "'To take a boat.' "'Just so.' and when she goes to that particular portion of the docks, it must be to take a transatlantic liner. Curtis stared at me for a moment as though not understanding. Then he rose heavily to his feet. "'Well, I can follow her even there,' he said, and started for the door. But Mr. Royce had him by the arm. "'My dear Curtis,' he protested, "'think what a wild goose-chase you're starting on!' "'Better than sitting idle here,' retorted Curtis doggedly and I could not but agree with him. "'Perhaps we can narrow the search down a little,' I said. "'Suppose we drive around to the West Street office?' "'Just what I was about to do,' said Curtis, and led the way to the elevator. "'During that drive across town we found little to say. Curtis was deep in his own thoughts, and I saw from the way Mr. Royce looked at him how anxious he was concerning him. But at last we reached our destination.' CAN YOU GIVE ME ANY DESCRIPTION OF THE PERSON WHO SENT THIS MESSAGE, I ASKED, AND SPREAD OUT THE TELEGRAM BEFORE THE MAN AT THE DESK. PERHAPS YOU'LL LET US SEE THE ORIGINAL. HE GLANCED AT THE MESSAGE, AND THEN AT US. NO QUESTION OF A MISTAKE, I HOPE, HE SAID. THE MESSAGE READS STRAIGHT ENOUGH. NO, I ANSWERED, RATHER A QUESTION OF PREVENTING A MISTAKE. I HOPE YOU WON'T REFUSE US. He glanced us over again and seemed to understand. It's a little irregular, he said, but I guess I can do it. He opened a drawer and ran through a sheaf of papers. Here it is, he said, and laid a sheet before us. You see, the message was correctly sent. Yes, I agreed, but it was not at the message I was looking. It was at the sheet upon which it was written, a sheet which had embossed at the top the words SS Umbria who sent the message i asked it was brought in by a messenger from the cunard line pier what time did the umbria sail she was to have sailed at twelve o'clock but was delayed by a little accident of some sort perhaps she's still at her pier i thanked fortune that i had told our cabman to wait i think curtis would have been crazed by any delay as it was we rushed from the office and crowded in "'The Cunard Pier,' cried Mr. Royce, and in a hurry, and he waved a bill under the cabman's nose. Not until we were under way did Curtis speak. "'Did you see?' he asked, in a voice which shook convulsively. The message was in Marcia's writing. "'Yes,' I said. I recognized it. "'We must catch the boat. Why don't that fellow whip up?' "'He's going as fast as he can,' said Mr. Royce. "'Sit still, Curtis,' and he threw an arm about him. What a ride that was over the cobblestones! Half a dozen times I thought a collision inevitable, but we had fallen into skillful hands, and were safely piloted through openings in the crowd of vehicles where it seemed a handbarrow could not hope to go. Here we are, cried Cabby, and we tumbled out. He had done his best to earn his tip, and got it. THE PIER WAS CROWDED, BUT WE FORCED OUR WAY ALONG IT WITH SCANT REGARD FOR THE FEELINGS OF OTHER PEOPLE. HAD THE SHIP SAILED? WERE WE IN TIME? SHE'S GONE, SAID MR. ROYCE, AS WE GAINED THE FRONT OF THE CROWD. SEE THERE? THERE SHE WAS, HEADED SQUARELY DOWN THE STREAM, JUST GATHERING SPEED. THERE WAS A FLUTTER OF handkerchiefs FROM HER DECK. WE COULD SEE THE PEOPLE CROWDING AGAINST THE RAIL IN THEIR EAGERNESS TO WAVE A LAST GOOD-BYE. Curtis, who had been staring at her stupidly, suddenly flushed and pulled himself erect. "'There she is!' he cried. "'See, standing alone by that forward boat!' I stared with all my eyes. There was indeed a figure there, a woman clad in black, but the face was the merest blur. "'You think so?' I asked incredulously. "'I know so!' "'and he swung sharp around, his face alight with eagerness. "'Come, there must be some way to catch her—a tug!' "'He accosted the first blue-coated official he could find, "'but that worthy shook his head. "'No tug could catch the Umbria now. "'Besides, there was none at hand to make the trial. "'By the time one could be secured, "'the ship would be far down the bay, settling into her speed. "'What was the trouble? A lady on board?' Well, the best you can do is meet her at Liverpool when she lands. He said, "Meet her, echoed Curtis, but how take the oceanic she'll sail in half an hour from pier forty eight just below here. She'll reach Liverpool ahead of the Umbria, perhaps a day ahead. I saw Curtis's lips tighten with sudden resolution. Thank you, he said. I'll do it. There was nothing to be said. He was past arguing with, even had we felt like arguing, which I, for one, did not. "'I'll cable,' he promised, as we stood in the shadow of the big liner, "'and let you know if I find her.' "'Have you money enough?' asked Mr. Royce. "'Don't hesitate to say so if you haven't.' Curtis laughed bitterly. "'Oh, I've enough,' he said. "'Quite a roll, in fact. I'd expected to spend it on a honeymoon.' You'll have the honeymoon yet, said Mr. Royce with a certainty I thought a little forced. What will you do for clothes? I can make out some way till I get to the other side. The steward can help me, Mr. Royce was again looking at him anxiously. I don't like it, he said. You're running off this way. You'll kill yourself. Oh, I'll be all right, Curtis assured him. A sea voyage is just what would have been prescribed for me, and he attempted a smile. "'but you've got the worst stateroom on board,' and indeed the Oceanic had been so crowded that he was fortunate to get that. "'No matter,' said Curtis, "'I'd have gone if there'd been no place but the steerage.' "'There's one thing,' I said. "'Have you an enemy in New York who might try to do you an injury? "'That would explain the letter, you know.' Curtis thought for a moment with knitted brows, then he shook his head. "'No,' he said decidedly, "'I've no enemy—certainly none who would descend to stabbing me in the back. Besides, what could even the most unscrupulous enemy have written? How could he have hurt me? I can't understand it,' he added wearily. "'Neither can I,' I agreed. It's beyond reasoning about. "'An enemy might have written a lie,' suggested Mr. Royce. "'But Marcia wouldn't have believed it,' retorted Curtis. "'I know her. She would have cast it from her.' She trusted me. No, whatever the secret, it was one whose truth she could not doubt, and I agreed with him. We shook hands with him at last, and when the great White Star ship swung out into the stream, he waved us a final good-bye from the deck. "'So he's gone,' I said, as we rolled back downtown again. "'Yes, and the question is whether he was wise to go, whether it can do any good.' i think he's wise i said it's a real passion as you yourself pointed out to me a real passion yes agreed our junior and yet do you know lester at the bottom of it all i suspect some hideous unbelievable thing it turns me cold sometimes trying to imagine what the secret is it's a sort of dim vague threatening monster "'Yes, I've felt that way about it. "'I can't grasp it, and yet I feel that it's there, "'just below the surface of things, ready to jump out and rend us. "'Well, Curtis will find out.' "'I hope so, if only for his sake. "'He'll go mad if he doesn't, and so will we if we talk about it any more. "'I want you to look over those papers in the consolidated suit. "'It comes up this afternoon, you know, and by Jove we'll have to hurry "'or we'll be late for the hearing.' End of chapter 13